The Charlotte Hornets lose again the second night of a back-to-back to the Boston Celtics. LaMelo Ball, again, plays at least just the fourth most minutes on the team. We'll talk about it all today on the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are Locked on Hornets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> it's Locked on Hornets. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms that includes YouTube. And you can check us out on Twitter, Walker Mail, Doug Branson, LOH, and Locked on Hornets. We kind of expected this loss. You lose to the Nets. You lose to the Boston Celtics. Mm -hmm. I expected full-blown panic to come about as soon as they would lose to Boston. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we're kind of there right now, at Mm -hmm. least based on the reaction of Hornets Twitter. Some of the comments that continue to roll in from James Borrego, some of the players, it seems like there's something there. So I are you going to play it? You're going for it. I didn't know if you're going to go for the speculation music. It's just... It doesn't seem like we're in good spirits. Do you need it? I mean, do you need it? I just want to protect you. If you need it, I've got it. I can play it right now. It seemed like you were going for something, and I just wanted to make sure that you weren't or you were and just clarify it. But look, they lost those two games. I said it was going to be bad after that. Now they've got some opportunities, two games against the Pelicans. Brandon Ingram is going to be out for this next game, and they're going to reevaluate him seven to ten days from yesterday. And so I'd forget the next game they'll play the Pelicans, but there's a shot he misses both of those games. That'll be huge for them. You're also going to play Oklahoma City on Monday, I believe. That's another game that you should win. It's one of the worst teams in the league. So, like, there are some ways to make up ground, but it's not very good the way that they're playing. And you even see the Charlotte Hornets just at the end of this one, the Celtics find a way to separate themselves. You had the end of the third quarter disaster. The mood does not seem good surrounding Hornets Nation after we kind of were trying to see signs of life heading into this game against the Nets. Yeah, and it's the way they've lost these games, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it has been first quarter lapses on defense, first quarter turnover issues, first quarter uh, offense not moving the ball issues, and then as the game progresses, allowing a superstar talent on, on the other side of the floor dominate you it was 50 points from Kyrie against the Nets it was 44 points on another amazing shooting night from Jason Tatum Jason Tatum a player that if you remember in some of the past Boston Celtics matchups this season even when Boston won uh, Jason Tatum was not playing very well against the Hornets right um, and he he definitely got this one off his back uh, he, he dropped 44 and uh, I mean the big story I think the biggest story from this game other than you know there being some panic and and the Hornets not looking you know like they're is. really ready to compete in the East. <laughs> it's LaMelo ball. It's, yep. it's four turnovers in the fourth quarter and then two turnovers within one minute of the second quarter. First quarter, and right? Yeah. First quarter. He had the four turnovers. Yeah. He had the four. Yeah. Four turnovers in the first quarter. It's a lot of numbers. Right. <laughs> All right. It's it really is. early. It's early for me. It's a lot of numbers. Four <laughs> turnovers in the first quarter mm-hmm. and then two turnovers within the first minute of the second quarter. We there all got go. that straight. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't see another minute in the second quarter after after he gets pulled. He comes back in the second half. But once again, we have Borrego seemingly making a little bit of a statement with, with LaMelo saying, you know, if you're going to turn the basketball over like this, then then I've got to sit you. 
Um, I mean, what do you make of that whole situation? Well, we should get to the comments because they, they did yeah. have something to say after the game about this. Well, first, just real quickly before the comments. Yeah, LaMelo plays the first seven minutes of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. James Brago takes him out, puts him back in at the end of the first with 2.30 to go, plays the rest of the way, and then plays, you know, a minute after that After that next turnover, he he's out. That's when James yep. Brago decides to bring him out. It was the old vaudeville cane. And then played most of the second half. You know, like the, the yep. only time he didn't was that stretch in the third. It was the last five minutes of the third. And for the most part, he plays the rest of the game, except at the very end when the game's out of reach and it's done. You put in like JT Thor. You get your Thor, uh, Nick Richards, and that's about it. More so, Thor! <laughs> yeah, you yes, got the movement is alive. And I'm telling you, if the Hornets keep playing him. like this, the more Thor movement is going to be alive. You're going to get well. all the Thor you can get, buddy, <laughs> if it keeps happening like this. Let's get to those comments. Here's James Brago when asked about the first half. He talked about how good the effort was. It was not the same effort that they came out against the Brooklyn Nets. It was there, right? The ball was moving. They had some decent possessions, mm-hmm. just not executing as it was well. Moving into the hands of other of defenders. It, it was. It was moving <laughs> in the hands of other defenders, but it wasn't because of the effort. I feel like most people saw that. So he yeah. would give them the compliment. The effort was there, and then he would have this to say about the other problems. Turnovers, a little bit of transition defense, you know, going back the other way. So we got to clean up our, our transition. A lot of that is our offense. You know, I think we had 10 turnovers there early, you know, and the young fella had a couple, and it cost us going the other way. So just got to keep making the right reads, keep sharing it. I think the, the intention was there. The execution was poor. So transition going the other way and second chance in the first half. The young fella. Young fella. Doesn't want to name him by name, but definitely – you know, somebody I don't even need the speculation music to understand that Jays Borrego was referring to LaMelo Ball there saying the young fella and, and it was naming him essentially and saying he, you know, cost us in that first quarter. He he had a couple of turnovers, right? A couple meaning four and four in the in the first quarter. I looked back at these turnovers, Doug. There were there were two that weren't devastating or that like weren't so egregious, if you will. Mm-hmm. The other four turnovers that he had were pretty bad. There, there were a few that led to Jason Tatum fast break points. There was one where it was just a dunk, two-hand slam, momentum booster for the Boston Celtics. I believe that was in the second quarter, either the first or second one that he committed in there. But there were four bad ones. You know, there's the one that he tries to kick out to the corner, and I, and that was the the one that Jason Tatum was able to steal. It's go, it goes right to him. They're trying to make something happen. The two that I didn't really blame him for, he's trying to make something happen with Mason Plumley. It looks like a miscommunication. Okay, like, you know, Okay, there's the offensive foul, too, for LaMelo. They're always dicey. Maybe he's out of control, but I I don't look at that and say that's a real problem. But, you know, six turnovers is a lot. That's objectively a lot of turnovers, and that's bad. No possession for you, an extra possession for your opponent. He sits a lot for the second quarter. At some Mm -hmm. point, James in the Borrego doghouse, you know, is it that he wants to? He's teach? been there before. Sorry, yes, I keep I keep interrupting yes. you, but I just yeah. I'm having these no. thoughts. I'm these are I'm, great I'm comments anxious. from you. No, they're they're <laughs> they're great comments. <laughs> they deserve to be interrupting me. But no, the question is: Is it really James Borrego trying to teach him? Is it him actually thinking the Hornets are better for that stretch to get LaMelo away refresh? It doesn't seem to be whatever well, is Isaiah happening. It doesn't them, seem to be working. Well, Isaiah Thomas came in and the offense they played better, but I don't like. I don't think that I wanted to see less Isaiah Thomas after a while. I was like, okay, this is fun. 
let's get LaMelo back in there. Like it was fun for a little bit. They had a nice stretch. People were clamoring for more IT. I'm like, dude, no, I, I don't want more IT. I want LaMelo to get in there. And he did in the second half. Um, what do you make of those comments, Doug? Yeah, I mean, there's clearly I, I really want to get to the ball comments. You want to do that I first? They, we can do I, that. I think they I think they illuminate some things. I mean, look, yes. I always call them aft turnovers. The really bad ones are the above the free throw line turnovers, turnovers that are initiated from above the free throw line because those end up either being a take foul or, you know, most of the time end up just being two points for the other team. Um, so those those are really bad. Um, there's no question about that. Uh, the question is, why is he turning the basketball over like this? Because, you know, LaMelo hasn't, you know, when I think back to the first half of the season, right. I don't I don't think of LaMelo Ball as like turnover heavy. It seems like something has changed, whether it happened at the All-Star break or whatever. Like LaMelo seems to be playing a little funky, like not himself. And I saw, I can't remember. I'm sorry, I did. I can't credit who, who added me on this tweet. But someone said, you know, where are the three quarters court like highlight plays that we were seeing earlier in the season from the mellow ball and, and whether that can be substantiated in actual stats, I don't care that the, the essence of that mm -hmm. tweet is that the LaMelo we're watching now doesn't reflect the LaMelo we watched earlier in the season. Well, and and yeah. I think his, his comment after the game uh, sort of backed that up, right? Yeah. So here's LaMelo Ball discussing, you know, he's not going to give you a lot. We know how he interviews. Make of this what you will, what LaMelo Ball has to say after the game. Yeah, like I said, you're not playing my game, trying to do other stuff, pretty much letting people get in my head. But yeah, just got to cut that down for sure. Melo, in what ways did you feel like people, I guess, got in your head? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, just not being me, pretty much. I should have just attacked on some. So I'm trying to pass. So yeah, just, just being I wanted to play the full exchange so people could get the full context and what LaMelo had to say before and after somebody asked him to clarify. That was Jonathan Alexander in there from the Charlotte Observer asking him to clarify. And he seemed like he was trying to cover it up with sand. Oh, no, because LaMelo doesn't want to talk about all that stuff in the locker room, right? Like, he doesn't want to give you a whole lot. I understand that. I feel like he was kind of in a moment where he was saying his true feelings, and that's not something LaMelo wants to do. Well, and look, remember, this is a LaMelo where there were reports out there of NBA GMs and front office execs saying like he was a really bad interviewer, you know, like that, that he was he wasn't good to the point where I don't know if they were wanting more from him as far as clarity or, you know, something or that he just they didn't like what they were hearing. I'm not sure what it was, but that was the report. You could see how LaMelo might be guarded in some of those instances with that report. Yeah, this this is something he said it twice, by the way, he said it at the beginning and he said it there. There's something going on. And like, you know, you want to play the speculation music, Doug? You, you've got you've got the take. I, Go ahead and bring okay, it. OK, well, I do have the take. I really want to break this thing down. I just want to say one thing about him being a bad interview. He's 20 years old. Yeah, uh, he did. He doesn't have the he didn't go through the like elite college program where you have to face reporters a lot and you're under those kind of intense and under that kind of intense scrutiny. So this is his sort of first experience in that. And so that's, you know, I don't really blame him for that. I think he will become a better interview, whatever that means. Before later you his, get to the take, before you get to the take, you're totally right. 
like the worst interviews I've had, the top four that come to mind are all rookies that have been drafted into the city. Devontae Graham. Oh my God. It was an all time awful interview when he was drafted and we had him the day after Dwayne. He was an older, I mean, he was an older player. I mean, he played four years. I played at Kansas. Yeah. Dwayne Bacon was, was just atrocious. Then, you know, there, there are some other guys that just really don't like speaking in public that I'm not going to throw into the bus like that, but Devonte got better. Dwayne got a little better, you know? So anyways, there are a couple of Carolina Panthers too, and to your point. Yes. He's 20 okay, years old. Here's what I want to do. Cause we, we, we've got to get to the sec. I want to save this for the second segment. So don't That's go away. Mean. I've got my take on this interesting comments from LaMelo ball. We should just replay the clip because it is. So when, when, when someone who doesn't say a lot, says anything it means something we are selling this baby do not go anywhere all right let's talk about athletic greens so what is this stuff with one delicious scoop of athletic greens you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food source superfoods probiotics and adaptogens i believe i'm saying that right adaptogens not adaptogens adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all of those things plenty of things that'll it's lifestyle friendly whether you eat keto paleo vegan dairy free or gluten free it's free for all it helps you with all of that and it contains less than one gram of sugar no gmos no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good too people tons of people will take some kind of multivitamin it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb Athletic Greens 1, AG1, is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. So it also costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. It's amazing. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We'll be back with you in just a moment with takes on LaMelo Ball comments. This is Locked on Hornets. You you think no, Russ? Do you think he's coming out? Listen, listen. Okay. Listen, number one, number one. Are you listening? Number one, he's a certified gamer. Number two, part game, don't rust. I'm with Part game, don't rust. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. It remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. Plenty of other things that you can get included in on. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's talk and set up the LaMelo Ball uh, comments. I want to hear these comments again. I need yep. to hear these. I, before I make my, my the JB take one? on this. No, I don't want to hear the JB one. Okay. <laughs> I'm done with that one. I want to hear LaMelo's. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, like I said, you're not playing my game. Trying to do other stuff. Pretty much let keep me in my head. But, yeah. Just got to cut that down for sure. All right, let's stop there because there's a follow-up. Who's getting in his head? But he says, I'm not playing my – I'm trying to do other stuff, not playing my game, letting people – 
get into my head. So let me let me protect myself. Again, we're just speculating here, but this is experience speculation. It's experience speculation. Doug has years of experience speculating. All right, go ahead. I mean, this is, I, I mean, clearly I think either the staff or Borrego himself. I mean, I just, that's what I speculate. Right. Um, my experience speculation is that he he's in his own head about, you know, and, and look, Borrego has talked in the past about LaMelo, about his decision-making when it comes to attacking verse and, and getting his own offense versus setting up others finding okay? that ratio yeah yeah finding that ratio right and so if he's telling the media that he's working on that you can be you can be sure that he has told Lamelo that multiple times and they've been in film sessions he's talked about that too right we've heard Borrego say they've sat down and looked at film together and and gone over some of this stuff um so I want to I can't really play the second half of this my my technology's limited here without hearing the first half again so let's now let's hear the whole ball yeah like I said you're not playing my game trying to do other stuff Pretty much let people in my head, but yeah, just gotta cut that down for sure. Melo, no, no, no more ways that you feel like people, I guess, got in your head. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, just not being me, pretty much. I should have just attacked on some, some I was trying to pass. So, yeah, just, just being consistent. Yeah, so just, just not, not being me. Just not being me, attacking on some, not being consistent. Uh, you know, again, I don't want it. I don't want to get into this like trying to read tea leaves here and read between the lines and you know trying to figure out what the what he's what he's trying to say without trying to say it. I don't really want to play that game. But all I'm saying is when Lamelo Ball, who rarely says anything, we sort of had a laugh at at how little he gave at the All Star game. He's like, yeah, I'm just excited to play. Just want to give you know show the fans a good time. Like it was just so nothing, right? I mean, he just rarely gives you anything. When he says anything, it means something. And these frustrations seem to be bubbling up with as these losses pile up. And if the Hornets suddenly find themselves out of play-in contention, I'm just saying the honesty level is only going to increase well, it's, it's as already the losses increasing. increase. It's, it's already increasing, too. Like, you're starting to see Terry Rozier. You know, I wish those young dudes knew what it was like to play in the playoffs. Here's LaMelo saying, I just need to... You know, I wonder if how much it's actual players on the team, too. Like, you know, how, how much is it maybe vets? You know, like how much is, is any, you know, Terry's his guy. Miles Bridges is his guy. That's all we've heard, at least from those players. He said they're a brotherhood once again last night in the postgame comments. I don't know if there are some other players that have still told him, hey, work on this. You know, we've seen Miles coach LaMelo up a few times this season. Like Miles says, Miles has gone at him, not in any kind of vicious way. That was crazy animated, but we've seen him talk to LaMelo a few times on court. And so I wonder if there's any of this coming from the players. I've always gotten the sense from LaMelo that he feels like his game is instinctual. It's buried inside of him. Yeah. And I've also gotten the sense from LaMelo, and this may be, I may be incorrect in this, but I've always gotten the sense from LaMelo that he feels like his game is somewhat complete. Now, I'm sure LaMelo would th think that he has things to get work better on. every Everybody's, day, keep working get better every day. Yeah, he's a I mean, he's in the gym a lot. There's no question about that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is I, I feel like I get the sense from him that he feels like he has a complete game that he just has to fully realize on the floor on the floor. Right. And I think that's part of where this frustration comes from is LaMelo has always worked out his issues on the floor. And and when he now when he's making mistakes, he's got a coach that says, all right, if you make a certain amount of mistakes, I got to pull you.
you know, it's <clears throat> it's not like LaMelo is immune to a lot of turnover games, right? Like that's even true at the beginning of the season. It wasn't happening at this rate. But if you look at when he was successful, when the Hornets were successful, you know, at the beginning of the season, he had five combined in three games. And then he has six against Boston, by the way, in the overtime loss that would allow them to go to three and one. But, but like, what about the ratio, right? The no, ratio I, is off in this game. It's I got four assists, uh, six turnovers, five personal fouls. Like we've seen LaMelo have high turnovers before, but they've been accompanied by eight, nine, ten assists. And and low foul numbers. Yeah, like so that's that's where the rub is. To, to some degree, yes. Like Orlando, he had three assists and he had three turnovers. You know, like there there were those games too. Like I I just you know he also had that kind of game against the Clippers where he had three assists and he had two turnovers. So you know two turnovers isn't even a lot. My point being is that it's not like it was completely immune to him, but that's also going to happen with a guy that has the basketball in his hands a lot, especially the point guard of your team. It's just that it's happened four turnovers at least in each of the last three games. And then he had six in an unbelievable short amount of time in this one. James Borrego, here's something you brought up about Borrego discussing LaMelo trying to find that ratio of attacking, when to be aggressive, when to kick out, when to look for your own shot. That's mm -hmm. all part of the learning curve for any basketball player, let alone mm -hmm. a point guard with a high usage rate. When you talk about, uh, you know, I think of Steve Clifford and I think of Kimball Walker. And I think I remember, about him often. And I remember the story. Yes, you you have a shrine. <laughs> he scared uh, me. <laughs> he fried as a young as a young pup thinking about being a beat podcast reporter. He put the fear of God in me. Steve Clifford did. Um, mm -hmm. So I remember the the little excerpt from Zach Lowe's story on Kimba Walker when he was having that all NBA year. And it talked about Kimba not being a good three point shooter. And how Steve Clifford and Bruce Kreitzer and maybe even Mark Price at the beginning of Kimba's career all worked on reworking his form to allow him to become a high volume, consistent three point shooter. Kimba goes into Steve Clifford's office one day and says, you know, like, I'm done. This I'm going back working. to my own because it wasn't working. Like, I, I'm shooting poorly. It's not going in. And I, I got to go back to my old ways. And Steve Clifford was like, you know, that's fine. You can do that. And then you can become, you know, a middle of the road basketball player that never reaches full potential. That's fine if you want to do that. I, it just brings up the point of how do you navigate the Kimball Walker of this to it being shooting form to letting LaMelo be the quarterback off script that doesn't have to stay in the pocket. And I view it more as allowing LaMelo to be instinctual because you get crazy basketball plays that no one's really even capable of. So mm -hmm. I, 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 it, that's the question, right? Do you take the Steve Clifford approach where, and Kimball Walker approach, keep working, keep working, keep working at it. Boom. It suddenly clicks and you get an all NBA appearance of because of it. Or do you let him, playoff script and let him become an all NBA player uh, because of it. I'm going the latter. That's what I'm doing. Well, the difficulty that's a great, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up that parallel because I think it is a parallel. And I think from in, in that story that you just told about Kemba and Clifford, there was an immense amount of trust already baked into that relationship. Mm -hmm. But then Kemba had to essentially surrender and say, all right, all right, I trust you. If you say this is going to happen, I'm going to stay with you here. I'm going to stay on this track. And, and then it has to be delivered. And it was delivered. And, and both, both coach and player trusted one another and were in sync. Well, and the I other don't thing, believe that oh, is yeah. the case. I don't believe that is the case right now. I agree. 
and it's happening late in a season where expectations and results are not coinciding. LaMelo even said winning cures everything and they're not winning right now. And so Mm -hmm. when they talk about all the mistakes, it's a cliche and it's true. You know, when we're winning earlier, everything was fine. Everything was okay. Now there were still people angry with LaMelo not playing as much, but everything was fine when they were winning. You didn't have these types of comments. Now they're starting to pile on. The other thing I'll mention real quickly before we move on is that Kimba did not have near the star power. Not a lot of players do when they come into the league. And he was not very great at the beginning of the season or at the beginning of his career, right? Like he, say it's- he was shooting under 40%. Um, I think it was the year prior or a couple years prior. Either way, like he wasn't very good. Yeah, well, that's it. Clifford was like, hey, if you do this, I'll turn you into, it'll turn you into an all-star. Lamelo's already an all-star. Yeah, so Lamelo's already on like, a ground. What, what is Borrego's, that's the thing. Borrego yeah. is in sort of a tough spot in that he doesn't have as much leverage as Steve Clifford had in that situation. As a lot of coaches in the NBA, they have a certain amount of leverage with young players because they can say to young player, hey, I've been in this league a long time. If you follow me here, I can help you get to where you want to go. Um, Whereas LaMelo, I think, has gotten to some of these places so early, there might need to be another voice that comes in and and establishes a, a new relationship. I think... I mean, I hate to, I just, I think that's sort of where we're heading. I don't know if we're there yet, but it seems like it's where we're heading. I think a lot of it is going to be contingent on getting out of the play in altogether. That if, if they don't play any postseason basketball at all, I mean, that's all well, they do exactly what they did fight. against Boston against any, I mean, maybe except against the worst teams in the NBA. If they, if they turn the basketball over a lot, if they don't bother to box out, if they're not physical on defense, if they don't bother to, uh, you know, throw a body in front of somebody as they cruise through the lane. If they do all of those things, I guarantee you they won't make the play in. All right. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You don't have to do that and wait for the person behind the counter while he orders the parts on their computer. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto, so you don't have to choose to spend to even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership it's a family-owned business they've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or your truck right locked on and there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com let's clean up the recap from that boston celtics game coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets so if you don't believe in the moon landing, mm-hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise it's rather really than counterclockwise. Tough. I've tried it. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, let's talk about the other things that happened in this game, Doug. Um You know, LaMelo, if you just want to look at his stat line when he played, yeah, lots of turnovers, five personal fouls, six turnovers. That's the really bad. It it just is. But he also finished in the paint. You know, like if you look at him, he didn't make it. Floater game's locked in right now. Yeah, it is. It really, and that was working too against Brooklyn, if I'm not mistaken. So, oh, but he's not, but he's not, but he's not shooting well. Yeah, but right. And, you know, and you, you hope that both of those can come along at the same time, but overall field goal percentage, good six of 12. You just missed four shots from deep, but we've, but they need him. But the point is they need him. Honestly, they need him to hit those shots from deep. Cause that, I think, I think, 
I think Borrego mentioned in the post game that like spa- a problem with their offense right now is they they're really lacking spacing. Yeah, is because so many guys are struggling from three right now. Oh yeah, that's easy. And Terry Rozier goes two of nine. That's it. You know, like when Terry. I mean, Rozier- the scouting report is changing a little bit on the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, you can see it in the defenses. They are not as aggressive at the three-point line. They're not running as many guys off because they realize, hey, if the Hornets don't shoot well, if we just bank on that in the first quarter and we we attack passing lanes instead of really trying to stay with guys and defend three-point shots, then we can beat this team pretty easily in the first half. Yeah, I mean, P.J. Washington can't be your leading scorer usually, and you expect to win. You know, he got 17 points. He was 7 of 12 and was really on fire in the first half, scored 15, and then ended up with two the rest of the way. 5 of 14 was Miles, you know, trying to attack, and that's part of the spacing problem is when there's not enough space for Miles to drive. It makes it harder for him to finish, even though he's a great finisher, makes it that much harder. 5 of 14, not a very good shooting night for Miles Bridges. We went through LaMelo and Terry stats, and then in the bench, Montrez is the most notable thing to me. Got 17 minutes, 4 of 7, but not too many minutes for him. Um, And then I guess, you know, not the most notable. Like Isaiah comes in, scores a bucket, hits three free throws, um, and they're actually plus five in the only Isaiah Thomas minutes that you get. And that all came in the second quarter when LaMelo was on the bench, but well, at he, the calmed same time, the, he caught, he, you know, he calmed the offense down. I mean, he yeah. made some sort of basic, he wasn't doing anything amazing. This wasn't like an Ish Smith type of, you know, insert him and, and immediately the Hornets are coming back from 15 points down. This was more of a, a calming effect. Well, yeah, but he wasn't going to do anything I, about Robert Williams, the third, having seven offensive rebounds. You know, Robert Williams, what they've done is they've put him a little more off ball, just in the, like he's, he sprints to the dunker spot on offense. That's where he goes. And it's like, oh, we've switched. All right, let me go to the other side. And I, I thought that was going to be a problem immediately. And sure enough, it was. But yeah, like Isaiah Thomas, you know, he's going to come in and hoist up shots, man, like four field goals. They were, you know, pretty quick. The one that he made was a fadeaway. Um, but even the Kelly Oubre sequence at the end of the game where he gets a technical foul, that's that's a huge turning point too. At the end of the third quarter, technical yeah, technical foul. You know, Lamelo has that tough shot, it misses, and then there's 0.1 seconds left for them to have this five point swing because I think they hit a two, they hit two free throws before Jason Tatum hit three. So just just dumb stuff. Like that's the kind of stuff that loses wow. you ball games. And you know, even John Corrales in his Locked On Now for uh, Locked On Celtics said to the stupidity of the Charlotte Hornets that helped out the Boston Celtics a little bit. He's, he's, <laughs> Ouch, he's dead right. Johnny. He's, I don't know if stupidity was the right word, but it was some like derogatory comment, like you know, just not being smart. You know, Ugh. stupidity. Yeah, it was something like that. Well, look, I mean, you know, I I, I don't think he's far off in that. Comment. Oh no, I'm not mad. And, and I think the technical fouls, uh, I I think are sort of reflective of the frust- the general frustration that sits of the cloud of frustration that sits over the Charlotte Hornets right now uh, that hasn't really been lifted by, you know, wins against Cleveland. That win against Toronto seems meaningless at this point because they they yeah. haven't been playing well. So really like the only meaningful win they have since the All-Star break is that Cleveland win and it was just such a weird and they weren't playing well when game. they won, like not to rain on the parade, but yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the cloud is well, the cloud of frustration is raining. Yeah, if we just want to take it, <laughs> take that imagery all the way. Um, and you know, I, I don't. It's it's so. I think it's been so informative this back to back because you've seen two teams in the Brooklyn Nets and the Celtics really represent what it means to like get better at the right time, especially the Celtics who were just not playing very well. Tatum is a player that was struggling early in the season, but teams that are, that are really scrappy, that are, that are real threats in the, in the playoffs, even if their seating isn't very high, 
it's the t- kind of team that Boston is. They figure their defense out. They figure the rotation out. And players that struggled at the beginning of the season slowly improve. And that's something that Clifford, I know we've been very like Clifford heavy in this I show. I just brought uh, up reminiscing, the yeah. <laughs> that, reminiscing yeah. about Clifford. But he always used to say like that's that was the sign of a team that was going to give people problems in the postseason is a team that had players that slowly throughout the season improved. It wasn't teams that had people come out of the gates immediately and and get worse. And that's really what we have with the Hornets. I mean there's several players that you can look at and say, wow, first 10, 15, 20 games, they were contending for award season. And now not so much, and it's not a mystery as to why the Hornets are struggling right now. By the way, can you imagine Steve Clifford coaching Lamelo Ball? That's not the coach you want for him, not at all. That would be a disaster. No, you've got to. You, yeah, I mean, you know, well, so much in the player empowerment era is not only finding the right players, but finding the right voices um, that oh, yeah. can improve on that player with the personality that that player has and trying to work with them. And and honestly, you know, we can look, we can talk about it all day long. Ultimately in the in the as we look over the long term of what LaMelo's career becomes, some of it's going to be about coaching. Um some of it's going to be about finding the right personnel that works with LaMelo Ball that can achieve what the Hornets want to achieve. But a portion of it is LaMelo Ball realizing that, hey, I'm 20 years old. I've got some things. And I'm not saying LaMelo Ball is not doing this. I'm just saying that if you want to become a superstar, it's not a given. It's not a given thing. If you want to get to Jason Tatum's level, if you want to get to Kyrie Irving's level, there is a there is a amount of it that is God-given. But then there is a certain amount of it that you do have to take you know, ownership of and continue to improve. He's only 20 years old. I do think there is one guy Steve Clifford would like. I know you got to go, Doug, real quickly, but we put it in the graphic. We have to get to it if we put it in the graphic. P.J. Washington, we have some defensive stats on him if you want to roll through him because he did have a good game in this one. 7 of 12, did play 42 minutes. It goes to that theme. James Brigo feels like he can't take P.J. Washington off the floor right now 42 minutes for pj it's it's a lot so anyways he plays him that much amount of time defensively i just feel like he's grown a crazy amount i know i praise his defense almost every episode but it just you see so many different things where he's switching on to guards and, and playing well in the post he's playing well he's protecting the rim at certain aspects and i was i wanted to see if like the defensive advanced stats would back some of that up. And a lot of them do. There's some where like the team defense isn't great, but Doug, I know you have some of those stats that uh, you could share. Uh, well, I was, so I was looking this up on B-Ball index and they have some uh, player profiles and unfortunately someone, uh, so it's, it's sort of a not publicly available, but people can jump in and they've overwritten my player profile that I had saved. Uh, but generally, these stats do back up in terms of like perimeter defense. His overall like on ball perimeter defense, we were looking, he was about the 32nd percentile. And, it, you know, they grade all of these percentiles per position. And he was kind of a D minus in the on ball perimeter defense. But his passing lane defense, his three point uh, contest per 75 possessions, his steals and deflections per 75 possessions were all in the kind of B plus A minus range. And the one interesting, so so generally he's doing some right things on perimeter defense. I just think he they switch him so much that he that he kind of gets he he's sort of on all of these matchups with players that are good with the ball in their yeah. hands that he ends up getting taken advantage of a lot. And it's not I don't I don't think it's really his fault. I think it's a it's a reflection 
of how of the limited roster, they are yeah. defensively and how much they utilize him. Uh, the, the one interesting stat that I pulled from this is the defensive matchups per usage tier. We're getting really nerdy now, folks. Buckle in. Love it. Uh, but it measures like how often a person guards someone in a certain usage tier, tier one being a, a high usage tier, players that handle the ball a lot. And and he was well, well, well above average for I think his 80 position. percentile is what you mentioned before the show. Yeah, yeah. Really above average. He's guarding players uh, that handle the ball a lot. And, and it's, you know, I think he's done a really valuable job of, of being aggressive in those matchups, contesting threes, getting into passing lanes, making deflections. He's not a shot blocker. <laughs> I mean, I've said that all season. Like, he can contest. He can get up like PJ? this. PJ P, for his position, like for he his was like position. top. He was That's like top. He was like top right. fifteen last year in total blocks per game, though. Right, but well, I, I'm just saying there. Like are, even I think with, there are yeah. better. There are better, more athletic shot blockers that are available. Um, that you know, I, I think he's again. I, this is the same story. I think he's great for his position, but he's being asked to do too much, and and that's the stats true. reflect that. Yeah, that's true. All right, thanks for making Lockdown Hornets. First listen every day. Tomorrow it'll be fun Friday. Uh, I think we're going to try to have some fun, man. It's not been a good week for the Hornets. It's been bad. So we're going to try to have a fun Friday with David Walker hopping on with us. And uh, always have fun. Talk about some ads with Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges has something interesting out there. So uh, we'll talk about that. Maybe a little. Is it? We have to compare it to the Grandmama. That's like the that's the pantheon of Charlotte Hornets ads. How does Miles Bridges ad? Who is he? Who is he sponsoring? It's really interesting. And where does this stack up with Grandma? I think that's what we have to answer. All right. That's the question we will ask and answer tomorrow. Make your second listen locked on NBA, locked on experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you tomorrow.